Welcome. You've joined the Topless Travel Show with Carolyn David, bringing you to some of the sexiest and most erotic events and vacation places around the world. Our show is here to help you open your mind, explore your options, and push your boundaries so you too can achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Topless Travel Show, and we are your hosts, Carol and David. Hey everyone, welcome to the Topless Travel Show, broadcasting on location from the Bliss Cruise. You know we love bringing the travel culture to open-minded couples so you can explore all the possibilities, and I mean all the possibilities, while on vacation. Whether you travel to relax or party hard, to make new friends or simply hang with compatible people, we've got the stories to get you fantasizing about starting your next adventure right here and right now. The Topless Travel Show is all about pushing boundaries and as usual, we'll be talking about sex, sexuality, sexual health and relationships and all the fun ways to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy and always horny. Absolutely. So do you ever find yourself feeling helpless when it comes to dealing with trauma in your family, especially when it directly affects your relationship and your sex life? Perhaps you're looking for ways to overcome the negative energy and get your mojo back. On today's show, we get professional input in how to manage trauma and focus on self-soothing, helping people dealing with grief, mood swings, and emotional instability. We cover the importance of staying close to your partner, even if they don't want to be intimate, and more importantly, how to deal with your own emotions when you don't have someone to console you. Alrighty, this is going to be a great show, but before we get going, um, as we do on every show, let me tell you about our top waterproof blanket because nobody wants to sleep in the wet spot and squirt is hot until it's not. So even if you're not a squirter and you're fed up with sleeping in that wet spot or having to change your sheets every time you have sex, then you need one of our top waterproof blankets. It's 100% waterproof and leak proof and it guarantees to keep your bed and mattress dry no matter how wet it gets. It protects against messy massage oils, silicone lubes and all other sexy wetness and when you're done you just throw it in the washer and dryer and it comes out looking like brand new remember great sex is messy sex so keep your bed dry simply go to amazon and search top waterproof blanket that's t-o-p waterproof blanket great sex starts now Alrighty, this is the Topless Travel Show. We are Carol and David, and we are so excited to welcome back our good friend and a regular guest host on the Sexy Lifestyle Podcast. Sexologist Dr. Stephanie Siegler from Evolve Your Intimacy is here with us on the Bliss Cruise with a full schedule of workshops every day. All right, Steph, welcome back Hi to guys. the Topless Travel Show. I know you've been crazy on the ship running around. We've uh, literally tied you down. I know you <laughs> like that. No blindfold this time. Um, but thanks for being here today. I Absolutely. think we had to kidnap her to get her yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. it's, been, it's been an adventure. I've got my steps in, that's for sure. One end of the ship to the next. Right, and this is not even the biggest ship. It's Wait not. till we get onto that giant one next November. My I'm going to definitely have my step counter going. <laughs> so you are an official doctor now, as you have been for almost a year now. Just tell us a little bit about how you completed your PhD in sexology and all the effort that went into that. All the effort that went to it. Well, there's been a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Um, I finished officially in the beginning of the summer, I guess in June, actually, I got my diploma. And what that means is... I just know a whole lot about sex. I study sex, research sex. I read about sex constantly. Do you have sex? I, I do occasionally. <laughs> okay, Throw good. that in there. <laughs> you know, later on upstairs. <laughs> oh, boy, here we go again. I knew again. it. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. But it's, it's clinical sexology is about not necessarily sex itself, but what causes us to have any sort of sexual disappointments, sexual hesitancies. My favorite thing to say is a man won't come to therapy unless his dick quits working. So uh-huh. as soon as that happens, then they'll all of a sudden come and deal with trauma or they'll come and deal with a depression. So it, it encompasses so much. It's rarely about the sex itself. Now, you have kind of some fun workshops or play shops, I should say, on this cruise. It's not all about trauma when you come here. Uh, Like things like pleasuring the penis. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about some of your workshops that you are maybe the most popular ones. The most popular ones are pleasuring the penis and pleasuring the pearl by far. And they sell out almost instantly. And what we do is we find erogenous zones that aren't necessarily 
what you would think. You find new pleasure parts on your partner, but you take the time to actually talk to your partner about, does this feel good? What we do is so many times we get in the bedroom, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, we got things to do, and we're done. But when we come to these workshops, we take time, and I make, it's so, it's so funny, I make the couple say, yes, that feels good, or no, I don't like that. Can you do this again? And they learn each other's bodies in a new way. And it's really, it's a lot of connection and a lot of, a lot of intimacy, lots of intimacy that go on in and there. You, they actually do it with their partner, while with your direction. With my direction. And so. how many couples do you have in the room with you? I sell out at 30, and so it's a lot. We have 30 couples per, per workshop. And then when the people who can't get in, I go to private rooms and do it with them in their room. And it's completely clinical. It's their hands on, themse- on their partner or themselves, but it's... It's really therapeutic. And honestly, I was going to tell you, when I do Pleasuring the Pearl, it, it, every time I do that workshop, I, bring, I give mirrors and the women get to look at their vulvas. And I always have at least one that says I've never looked at my vulva before. You know, I can remember that it was, I was probably in my 50s when I finally started looking at my mm-hmm. vulva and understanding what it looks like and all the different parts and how it yeah. looks when it's aroused, when it's not aroused. David- and, then, and then during COVID, we started doing some filming right. of our mm-hmm. sexual activities because what else are you going to do when you're stuck at home and Carol never actually saw what it looked like for a cock my cock going into her pussy doggy style yeah and, and just the different positions and how it gets stretched out uh, and I like big dildos yeah. and one time I went on this giant one I couldn't believe how stretched out the actual vaginal opening got you know yeah. and stretched everything there and just seeing it is just different it is different yeah but it's it being able to say to your partner, yes, I want to be stretched, or yes, I want, I don't want that, or I do want that, can you kiss me here, will you touch me there? That is the most powerful element to these workshops because you, that there's, it's you and your partner, we don't have kids running around, it's just you and your partner taking the time to explore themselves. You know what I love hearing? When we're having sex and Carol goes, hun, it's not gonna fit in. And she's talking about my fist going into <laughs> You had to add that drama there. Yeah. It's dun, dun, true. Dun, dun. You, didn't let, you didn't let me I pause. You so were funny. giving me it's a so look funny. here. And there, where is he going with this? I but know. it is true, actually. Yeah. My, uh, my lips don't stretch that far to get his knuckle in. His, he actually has not able to fist me. So, yeah, it's true. It but Carol loves being fisted. Yeah. She, once uh, you know, a woman or a guy gets her fist in there and opens up, she squirts everywhere. Yeah. Oh, wow. But I don't get to experience that pleasure it has to be outsourced to someone with smaller hands yeah because your thumb knuckle is just too big for me you do have really wide hands now that i'm looking at your hands yeah exactly they're great for giving massages they are they are now what's this blind lust what do you do in that class so the couples are blindfolded and i give them a personal tour of their partner's body we start with the feet we are going to use all of the senses except sight we use smell touch taste of course, you're hearing because you're, you're listening to your partner's body and you also hear a lot of other people's bodies in there. And we take time to really dig in and just enjoy the body. It is such an emotional and sensual workshop. And at the end, it's, it's a lot like Sensate Focus. So, or it actually is Sensate Focus, but that's where skin to skin contact. And you spend that time pleasuring your partner but enjoying their body and and showing them that it's beautiful no matter what it looks like because as we go into our relationships our bodies change we have kids and so we're not that same person and we hide so much of it so with the blind lust you're blindfolded but you're exposed and your partner's rediscovering your body in a new way and then we flop and they get to do the same thing that's so nice and plus when you're in a place that's safe Mm -hmm. and you can communicate and you're encouraged to then you can really feel that bond reconnecting with your partner yes lots of people after that workshop come up to me later and they're like we just have the most erotic passionate sex we've ever had and it's because they took the time to just connect yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely now sex reimagined I think that's a new one for you is it it is um that one is for anybody who has any sort of pain during sex if you've had knee replacements or if you're going to be sleeping with somebody because you never know they may have pain during sex and you can't get them in specific positions or um maybe they they don't bend the way they used to or they don't move they can't can't twist and turn and so what we do is I have fun tools lots of tools and I bring them in and they get to try them and see what works best for them and I spend time individually with each couple trying to figure out what hurts and how can we find different positions. I might have been called a sex MacGyver after that class, (laughs) and I claim that title proudly. So I have um, a very interesting story. So about six years ago, I had back surgery. I had a disc replaced in my back, and um, obviously we asked the doctor, how soon after surgery can we have sex? And he said about two weeks, but I shouldn't be 
the one doing mm-hmm. the thrusting. You have to be the receiver. I have to be the receiver and lie there. So um, Carol um, took, I don't know, six weeks or whatever working on squats because that's the only way we were going to have sex. So she was practicing squats and before surgery we had a little bit of sex with her squatting on me and she was doing absolutely fantastic. So I go in for the surgery. It was on a Wednesday on my calendar. Two weeks after that Wednesday, (laughs) the alarm went off and I was like, babe, we can have sex. She gets on top of my cock. She squats like five times. Okay, I'm done. I'm exhausted. You that is a lot e- of work. You are exaggerating. It wasn't. I, I lasted a good couple minutes, but not my fault you didn't come. You had a timed window there, and you didn't take advantage of it. So, But being the, the player that I was, mm-hmm. you know, the team player, I slowly turned her over, and I fucked her missionary. And gently. She, gently. She got off, and I got off, and we had great after-surgery sex with no other injuries. Yay. That's awesome. I have a tool for that. I have a tool that really helps to alleviate the pressure from, if you're going to be riding your partner, alleviate the pressure on the lower back or the hips, and it's a, a tool that you set on. It's like a saddle almost, but it sets over the penis owner, and it provides a bouncy or oh, a rocking motion right. so you're not putting all the pressure on the hips or the back. You see? You, you should know, have I researched like, that. Actually, he's gotten stronger since then. We actually work out quite a lot he's got very strong arms and i like when i'm riding him and he uses his arms or his mm-hmm. hands to, to lift me up yeah. as i go like a an assistance sure and i can last much longer then but you didn't know about that when you had your back I surgery didn't, didn't. Yeah. So. but you don't like as i'm lifting you up and holding your butt that i stick a finger in your ass i don't need that no no you don't no i definitely don't need that absolutely not <laughs> i like it <laughs> Now, in my ass. the next class you're having after our interview today is Brain on BDSM. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? So just your brain on BDSM, the psychology behind the scenes. It's what happens to your brain, what chemicals are produced, what are the order, why do we like BDSM? A lot of people who are very interested in knowing more about it, maybe you've never tried it, but they feel shame and guilt about, you know, it's all about punishment and so they have so many misconceptions about it and so when they come to this workshop we talk about how your brain rewards you at the pleasure and pain principles and the reward system in our body so it really demystifies it and it it opens the door for more questions but once you put it in the perspective of your brain is getting something out of it your brain is doing this it's not about the discipline or necessarily the the bondage mm-hmm. it's about the pleasure you receive mm-hmm. from it what's mm-hmm. very cool about that is i like being blindfolded and mm-hmm. i like bling being tied down and sometimes we're in the heat of the moment and carol says don't move your hands put them behind your head and don't move them and i get so turned on so i'm not tied down i don't have a rope but the mental mm-hmm. don't move it's just like the best sex that we have because she's dominating i'm there i know i can move but i'm not supposed to move yes so I've yes. got a question. Sometimes when I like to like sit on my giant dildo, and it's so big that I can barely get on it, especially the big head. And once I'm over the head, it's then like 18 inches. Wow. So I feel there's that pla- pain pleasure barrier yes. because I'm getting all hyped up to get on this thing. I've lubed it. I've lubed me. I'm ready to go. But I just have to go over that little bit of pain Threshold. to get the pleasure mm-hmm. because the head is slightly bigger than the shaft itself. Is that BDSM or is that the similar things that's, happening it, in my that's brain? Exactly, it's similar happening in your brain. And so it's, that's a kink type of activity. But yes, it's the exact same thing that's happening in your brain. And as you get more and more turned on, your pain tolerance increases. So oh. a woman's pain tolerance, as they get closer to orgasm, increases up to 50%. Uh, that's why. Then she says... Can you put your cock in my ass? I know. <laughs> yeah, because it starts. So after that initial pain that you're feeling and that barrier is broken and as you start getting more turned on the closer you are to orgasm your pain tolerance will increase up to 50 percent it's just an evolutionary thing so for childbirth you Uh, know i guess yeah so it doesn't make it hurt so bad one of the things i find is that when i'm so horny and i die i'm dying to get on my purple which is not all the time but i get on this purple dildo but then I have such a hard time actually orgasming. Have mm-hmm. I gone over a threshold or something else happening in my brain? Absolutely. But you're, you're thinking too much. Okay. And you're, <laughs> no, you're, with Carol? I know. Never. I know. You got to get out of your head and into the moment. Okay. But you are, um, you're getting to that point, but you're not letting yourself orgasm because of something. I, I don't know. Maybe you're thinking about the laundry or maybe you're thinking about something else. But there's something going on. There's a disconnect because 
you probably have a lot on your mind uh, and you're not clearing it before you go in there okay. and have some some hmm. dirty fun with purple. Yeah, right. That would never happen with Carol having brain traffic ever. I but know. I don't think it's. Be- I'm not thinking about anything else except that fuck. I can't come. That's yeah, the only and, thing. But right. that's but that's about. something too. The stress uh, that yeah. puts the brakes on. Uh, so you have brakes and accelerators. Yeah. And so when you get into that and you're like shit and you're you're, I can't do this and I it's pissing me off. Well, yeah. you're not going to at that point uh, because now it's releasing that brain chemistry of well we're just gonna go ahead and finish. So do I break? And then refocus. Yeah. Like what? Take that's a break. Just take, take a, a break. Okay. Refocus. Get something to drink. But a guy has that too when he doesn't have an erection and he's thinking, I need an erection. I need mm-hmm. an erection. It just doesn't you just, happen. All you're doing is psyching yourself out. Right. And when you talk about lust languages in your classes, what is? A lust language is similar to a love language, but it's for flirting. So what happens is when we're flirting with our partners, if we're flirting the way we want to be flirted with, it might not be their lust Mm. language. And so Mm. if I am a dominating kind of person and I'm flirting with in a dominating way to my partner and they're reading it and they're like, oh, that's nice. Yeah. But they're not getting anything from it. So I have to know what their lust language is. And there's four of them. There's sensational, there's dominance, transgression, and um, just forgot the fourth one as soon as I said that. But we'll get... We'll circle back to that. And so what we do is I talk my less language to you. You talk your less language or I talk your less language to you. You talk your less language. Does that make sense? Am yeah, I saying absolutely. That? Yeah, okay, absolutely. I'm, I'm all confused right yeah. now. But if I'm not speaking your less language, we're not going to have good flirting. So you so have to learn that. how do you that. find out what your partner's less language is? Oh, so I have these little tricks. You can say, would you rather? Would you rather I do this oh, or that? And oh. so the questions that you ask, would you rather I use ice for sensational play or would you rather I tie you up that's more dominance Mm. so you ask those questions if and what if I what if we did this would you enjoy that what if we did that and so it's just getting to know your partner and actually taking the time to ask the questions wow I like that we have noticed in the past and we learned this probably even from some of your advice is that David definitely is like a romantic type so he woos me Mm -hmm. with romance but I'm not romantic at all and it doesn't do anything for me but he gets upset that I'm not romantic to him but because I don't feel romance and I'm not inspired to be romantic like you don't know my lust language well exactly. no yeah. you we do know your lust yes. language yours is, is romance but she's not listening to it no she's not she's not she's not <laughs> doing <laughs> it yeah, I'm not yeah. doing it she's not doing it and so, so I have to force myself to do it but that's okay yeah I guess I mean just you know you may not be a gift giver but if your partner's love language is gifts you have to force yourself uh. sometimes until it becomes a habit you yeah. taking notes yeah, I kind this of is fig- free I, advice. I figured it out already. I just haven't done it yet. Yeah. <laughs> I have to be in the right mood. Eighteen years later. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's it, it is hard because we get overwhelmed or we get distracted, and so we have to be intentional about it. Relationships are intentional, not passive. You have a passive relationship; that's you're not going to be successful. And I'm so good at communicating. Like we're playing, and she's giving me a blowjob, and she's like, "Okay, now I want to fuck you." It's like, no, I'm not ready. I want to lick your pussy. I want to play with your tits. Oh, like, I want to okay. give you a massage. No, just fuck me hard. <laughs> Well, she's that's because that's what I want. She's but the I dominant. hear you. I can fuck I'm you hard asking later. asking for what I want, but, but I, I want it now. Yo, okay, we have to take turns. <laughs> take turns. <laughs> Who's going to ask first? <laughs> but I got mine One first. night you get your thing, the next night I get my thing. And that that's might. called balance. Oh, yes, exactly. Sexual balance. Yeah. Now, I know we all talk about setting boundaries here on the list mm-hmm. cruise, and we all have know where we want to be, but you also give a course on setting boundaries. It's not just in our sex life, but with others as well. With everything. So boundaries, rules, and agreements are boundaries keep you safe, and agreement keeps the players safe, and players not meaning sexual players, but players in your life, and a rule is a consequent take it or leave it type thing. And so if we're going to agree on something, let's say I'm just going to use condoms. My boundary is I want my partners to all use condoms. So anybody that I'm sleeping with in my circle of friends, they are agreeing that they'll use condoms with other people as well with me, so we keep each other safe. If they don't use condoms with somebody and they're not, and they tell me, you know what, I didn't use a condom, the rule is I need your, I need your test results. Mm. So... I know I'm keeping myself safe. That's a great example. I like that. Mm -hmm. So the boundary, very clear. When you break the boundary, what are the consequences? Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. We once played with a couple and we went in, okay, we're going to play with condoms. And in the middle of the session, he decided, nah, Carol, is it okay if I fuck you without a condom? Carol says, well, it's okay. Then she saw he was fucking her without a condom. You mean the wife? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And shit broke loose. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
they yeah. didn't talk about it. Nah, and that's that happens a lot. You have to have all of that. And and one thing is, is in the heat of the moment, you cannot change your boundaries, rules, and agreements. No. And absolutely. if you start with that, you you finish with that. And if you want to discuss it afterwards in your debriefing, and you're like, you know what, I, I, how do you feel if I would have done this, or how, mm. what if I had you know, taking the condom off with Carol. Well, how would that have felt for you? And then discuss it, but don't ever do it in the moment because you will get into trouble. And certainly not without telling your partner, even consulting. Yes. Certainly yes. not. If you Absolutely. have that agreement, you got to stick with it. Now we're going to be talking about trauma coming up, but one of your classes about finding self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know the trauma can affect your self-esteem, but first talk about average people finding their self-esteem. It is looking at, looking at what you have inside that you think is so wrong with you and putting it on a piece of paper and throwing it in the trash oh, because okay. no one else is going to see you so that way. So what kind of example would you be throwing in the trash? Um, I don't like my hair. I have a, my stomach sticks out. I don't like my thighs. I don't like my arms. All of that stuff that you think that you see in yourself. In the class, we uh, do a post-it note thing. And so people walk around. When the very first of the class, you write down all your insecurities, you put that post-it note away. And then we go around and we talk to everybody in the class and we give compliments and we write post-it notes. And so I love your hair. Stick, and you get to keep the post-it note. And so when you come back, you compare all the post-it notes to what's on that one that you had hidden. Then you wad it up and I make you throw it at me and I try to catch it in my shirt. Aww. I never do, but I try. <laughs> <laughs> it's because of their bad throwing, not because yeah. of the size of your yeah. boobs, right? But the thing is, and it's the whole, the, the symbolism of... You get to throw those problems away. You get to throw that, and I get to keep it because you don't deserve that. Yeah, nice. I like yeah. that a lot. So we really want to talk on this, um, on our discussion today about how to self-soothe. And it's often that we get trauma affecting our lives, which really affects our sex life, and that's mm-hmm. where we're heading for. Tell us, first of all, what is trauma, and what could trauma look like for some people? Sure. Trauma is any event that causes you emotional distress. Now, there's two types of trauma. There's big T trauma and little T trauma. And just because I experience something that's a big T trauma, you may see it as a little T, but it's big to me. Right. So it's a personal inventory of what it means to you. And big tree, big tree, big yeah. T trauma is, you know, usually what you think of when you think of trauma, like war, car wrecks, murder, oh, okay. rape, that type of thing. Yeah. Something that that's really, really big chronic illness, all of that. And then little T trauma can be emotional distress. It can be bullying. It can be, um, it could be shame about your body Mm. uh, causing someone just making a remark to you about something that you're uncomfortable with that causes some trauma. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's a big difference between them, but it still affects your sex life in very different ways. Mm -hmm. And And both of them. And from talking with you in the past and talking to other experts, we know that past traumas don't just go away. They do not. They do not. They sit there and your body keeps the score. That's a great book. But um, the your body keeps the score. And what I mean by that is it's going to hold on to it and it's going to manifest at the most awkward times. And you don't know what's going to trigger you and you don't know if it's going to be a visceral response or if it's going to be another response. Perfect example. I have a may I, may I give you an example. Yeah, absolutely. We were getting on. We flew here on Friday or flew wherever we we're I don't, not here because we're in Cancun. <laughs> we're in but, yeah. Or wherever we're at. Yeah. But um. We flew and got to the hotel on Friday. My daughter calls me and tells me, hey, mom, the, the front yard's flooded and there's water squirting everywhere. And I was like, ah, oh, shit. Immediately after that phone call, my stomach crunches up and I'm folded over in the restaurant, can't breathe and with this visceral response because of the past trauma from my ex and what, what all I would have to go through with that. My body already knew and it was expecting that reaction it was expecting I was expecting somehow to be in trouble Uh, and so I doubled over uh, and it hurt and it didn't stop hurting until I finally could make sure that it was going to be taken care of before because she has no water and you know it's just all this stuff but that visceral response was automatic and I didn't even realize it until afterwards so you learned one of your new triggers I guess right Mm -hmm. or you learned something that's going to make you feel bad for something that's happened and you weren't even involved and how did you work through it but I was able to process it and I was able to identify it and the whole point of that is saying you know what okay let's let's make the connection I made the connection to it has something to do with a past relationship that I felt like I was constantly in trouble and I had to remind myself I'm not I own this Mm -hmm. I'm not in trouble. Mm-hmm. I have control over my life. This person no longer has the power over me or the control over my feelings. And I literally stood there and talked myself through it. Yay. And so it was just realizing and giving myself permission. Yes, it was distressful. It sucked. Feel those emotions, own it, 
but it doesn't have to control you anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I just kind of let go of the control. So in this particular instance, you were able to walk yourself through it but that doesn't mean that that trauma is gone from your life because you might be other triggering issues or triggering situations that might bring back those same bad feelings. So in this case, how do you work through those types of traumas that are still haunting you? I use the power example. I ask myself, why do I allow whatever it is that's causing me, triggering me to have power over me? What is, and I, I mean, I, think about it I ask myself these questions what about them why do they deserve that Mm -hmm. why do I give them permission to have that and why can't I take it back Mm -hmm. so once you realize that you can take back your power and it doesn't belong to somebody Mm -hmm. that's when the the trauma starts healing Mm -hmm. and you know we're we're going to talk about how to heal some past trauma in a little in in a few minutes and that's going to be a powerful one when we start talking about that is giving yourself permission to feel whatever negative feelings you're feeling mm-hmm. and not feel bad about mm-hmm. it because that's one of the things, you know, we feel bad about our trauma. And our but what if you don't know what the cause is? Like I've recently discovered that I get triggered and I obviously have abandonment issues. Mm-hmm. What if you don't know what causes those abandonment issues? I'm 60 years old. I don't know when that happened. Like, you know, like, I don't know. How do you figure out what caused them? But you, it, you don't necessarily have to figure out what causes them. You oh. just have to... You just have to accept the feelings and not feel bad about it. So, yes, we know you have abandonment issues. So if you get triggered, that's okay. We can sit and we can talk about it. We can say, do you, you know, are you comfortable? Do you have anything that you need? We can cater to that. And it's not shaming you and making you feel worse, but it's just accepting the feelings. But what if I don't want to feel like that? What if I want to get rid of my abandonment issues? You need to go to therapy and figure out what the root (laughs) of the cause is. And the only way. I mean, it's, it's, it's. The best way. I mean, we can sit and you can read all the workbooks and there's some great books out there if you want to do self-help books. But also you have to just know yourself and Mm. give yourself permission to feel negative and Mm -hmm. not feel bad about it. Society Mm -hmm. tells us we can't feel that way. The world tells us we have to be so Mm -hmm. perfect all the time. Mm -hmm. Why? Now, here's another one. I don't know what just came to my mind is that David really doesn't like when I raise my voice, especially if we're having a, a, a disagreement. But my voice automatically raises. Mm-hmm. I don't like. I don't control that. It just happens when I'm angry. But it really annoys him. I wish I could just not have that happen. You have any suggestions for that? Yes. Therapy. <laughs> more, no, therapy. more therapy. No. So something about that triggers him based off of something in his past. And so I'm going to put some responsibility back on David to say, Hey, Carol, when you raise your voice like this, it's making me feel. Whatever, and label that feeling. It's mm. making me feel attacked. Is that how you're meaning this message to come across? Well, he does do that. He's very good at this. And he says that. He says, I, I, I don't want you to yell at me because it makes me feel attacked, let's say. But I say, I can't help it. I'm really sorry that it happens. I don't mean to raise my voice, but it just happens automatically. And sometimes that will. But that's also part of your personality. You mm. have a very dramatic personality. Mm. You have a very big personality and you have a lot of emotions. And so it comes out that way. And so when we catch those emotions and he brings that to your attention, you usually change it, right? Mm-hmm. I try. He says I no. I can never He's shaking promise. his head no. But <laughs> I can never promise. <laughs> Hopefully the intention is for you to, to recognize it and say, okay, let me give me five. I need, I need to take, take a time out. Oh no, usually he takes the time out and he walks away. I go, don't fucking walk away. (laughs) Okay. So that's a great point. And I'm so glad you said that because someone with abandonment issues, if you walk away from them, that makes them more angry. But if I were to tell you, Carol, I feel really attacked right now. I need to take 10 minutes. I'm going to be back at one or two o'clock. I'm going to come back and meet you back here. Let's take 10 minutes and I'm going to, I'm going to self-soothe. Now, here's the thing. I gave you a time. Mm. I didn't just give you, I didn't just walk away and I'm telling you in 10 minutes, I'm going to come back and we're going to talk about this. And that takes your fear and insecurities away. Mm. And that gives us a moment for us to be able to, to and both of us to calm down, calm down and then come back. Cause when you get flooded with emotions, your ears stop working. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. We're getting a little bit of free counseling right here. <laughs> always, always, always set a time if someone has a band. And, it, and if that 10 minutes we come back and you're not ready and David's still flooded with emotion or you are, you say, you know what, I'm going to ask and I have five more minutes and you set the time. Can I come back at 2.05? Now, really what we want to talk about in this show is about how trauma affects our sex lives. Yes. So whether it's old, old childhood trauma or whether it's current or a new breakup or anything that's affecting our sex life, that's, tell us how trauma can do that. Trauma is a very powerful, I almost called it an emotion. It's not an emotion, it's an event that causes very powerful emotions. And depending on the type of trauma, 
it's going to affect you in different ways. If it's the sexual trauma, obviously your sex life is going to be affected. But also if it's PTSD from combat or if it's from a car wreck, all of those things can still play into it. And how you work through that is we have to identify... And the more you talk about trauma, the more you talk about your specific trauma, it just becomes part of your story. So I it loses power. It loses the power. So for me, for many, many years, I was unable to talk about my story of um, my sexual abuse growing up. But now when someone asked me about it, oh, yeah, I mean, I was sexually abused from four to ten. And, you know, it's just it is what it is. I it's I've moved past that. It doesn't have power over me anymore. And so I don't have that visceral response. So you have to talk about it with your partner. You have to get into, you know, maybe talk about it with a therapist. But if you're hanging on to it and not talking about it, it's going to affect every single part of you. And so... I think I'm, I may have said it on the show, or maybe when we were talking, I have many men who will not come to therapy until their dick quits working yeah. because then, then it's something that they, oh, that's, that's, have to address. I have to address that. Yeah. My dick's not working. I have some port, some sort of sexual dysfunction, sexual disappointment, erectile disappointment is what I call it. Mm. And then we dig in and no, you're still holding on to past trauma. And this is the past trauma manifesting and not allowing your dick to work. Do you think your abandonment issue was there before you got divorced? Uh, I probably, yes, I don't think it's a new issue. Really? Yeah. Hmm, unfortunate. Because mm. we could have fixed that. Why? Well, we could have just said, you're divorced now, you're with a much great, better guy, I'm not going to abandon you, I'm I, with you I'm forever. I'm sure it's long, long, long term trauma from when my parents split up when I was five. Yeah. Probably that. Yeah. And then when your husband left you also. No, I don't think it's so. It's just compounded, it Maybe. has to be. Maybe. Yeah, but the fear of them not coming back, the fear of when your parents divorced, you not ever seeing one of your parents yeah. again, and that fear of the unknown but yeah, is very traumatic. Right. Might mm-hmm. be right when my first marriage. And mm-hmm. yeah. They were making progress. Wow. Thank, yeah. Thank you, Dr. Yeah. Stephanie. So trauma causes stress, as we know, but stress also causes so many issues that can affect our sex life. So this is like a big triggering. It uh, is a secular thing. Yeah. And Does stress cause, could stress cause Carol to raise her voice? Absolutely. Uh-huh. Anytime she is in, feels any sort of stress, stress moment, her response, her, her trauma response, her trigger is her voice raised. Because sometimes in the past, she's probably felt not heard and so if she raised her voice during past arguments that's when she was finally heard and so it's something so ingrained in her that until you say hey carol you're making me feel attacked then it she hopefully snaps out of it or you know we take the the time the time out for her to self-soothe mm-hmm. you see and before we started doing our podcast and i started listening to all the experts on the show if she would raise her voice or yell or we get in a fight i would turtle i'd be mm-hmm. the turtle mm-hmm. I, my head would go in the shell i'd say nothing and then change the subject and just let it sit there without resolving the issue but that's worse than dealing with the issue and getting and having a fight because you can't let all these issues just build and build and build because then you just have this this explosion that's going to happen yeah. later on yeah absolutely it's that conversation and owning your shit we all have shit just own it so let's get back to how stress can fuck up your sex life Oh, fuck up your sex life. (laughs) It can. um, So I am uh, just going back to the story about my sexual abuse. So part of that was um, and this is this. There's a method to this madness. Part of that was I didn't have control. And so when I don't feel like I have control over a situation, I sexually shut down. I don't want it. Because you're remembering back then when you were a young person who obviously didn't have control and you feel like that young person again. Yes. But here's the dichotomy of that. I don't want control. I'm submissive. I want you to Mm. control. But at the same time, I want to know what's going to happen. Mm. And that's where the discussions come Mm -hmm. in. So... um, healing trauma <laughs> through BDSM and through kink is 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 a method as well because what happens is you get to control every aspect of that and you get to rewrite the event the way you wanted it and so it retrains the or it isn't retrained but it leaves new memories in your brain so you're not thinking about the negative you're thinking about the positive event that you got to manifest and you got to uh, be part and of I've heard that being a submissive you're more in control even of the dom because you've probably yes. already set the boundaries set the scene and as a submissive, you're actually controlling the situation more than the dom. The dom, if you, exactly right. The submissive is always in control. They can stop the scene at any time. They can change the scene at any time. If you're in a dom sub or power exchange dynamic and you don't have that ability, if you're the sub, to stop it, you are in an abusive relationship. Okay, there you go. Wow. 
right. And, and do you feel like you were in an abusive relationship in your previous relationship? A lot of sexual coercion happened. Yes. Wow. Lots oh of sexual goodness. coercion. So wow. let's take a quick break and then we're going to get back and ask uh, Steph about yeah how she self-soothes when she has um, trauma in her life. Let's just remind everybody that this is the Topless Travel Show and we're Carol and David and we're having a great discussion with sexologist Dr. Stephanie Siegler from Evolve Your Intimacy. And coming up next is our favorite segment, Great Sex Matters. But before we move on, let's just tell everyone about Topless Travel and the amazing trips that we have planned for next year. Absolutely, and you know Topless Travel offers the sexiest and most erotic vacation experiences from Hedonism 2, where in Jamaica desire in Cancun and in all the Bliss Cruise adventures, Topless Travel needs to be your number one choice. And their trips are all about pushing boundaries and exploring your naughty side and their exclusive sexy host couples well like us, like and of course uh, Party Mark are always there to ensure that you have one hell of a sexy vacation. Yep, and like we are here, you'll find us on many of the Topless Travel trips, but listen up. We're going to be back, Hedonism, in April for their Swinging for Newbies event, April 6th to 13th, 2024. So if you're considering coming to Hedo for the very first time, take the plunge with Topless Travel next April, and we'll be here to answer any questions you may have. For more information about all their trips, visit toplesstravel.com to book the sexiest and most erotic vacation ever. And as a quick reminder, if you're looking for an open-minded online community to find compatible people on events in your area, you can go to sdc.com and use promo code 30314 for your first month free. That's sdc.com and promo code 30314. Okay, we are back. You know, we're Carol and David. This is the Topless Travel Show. And now um, let's get back to our show. Now it's time for our favorite part of the show where we get to talk about great sex because... Well, great sex matters and we all deserve it. So, Dr. Steph, I know that as a doctor and you're helping everybody all the time, it's got to be hard when you need help, when you need someone to console you or you've gone through a terrible time or some hurtful feelings. What do you do to help yourself in that case? That's a great question. I have, this has been probably the best year for me professionally and the worst for me personally. And that's just lots of stuff has happened and how I've been able to self-soothe. Of course, I'm in therapy. I have a personal therapist and a professional therapist and I lean on my friends. I, I share, but the, how I do that is I ask them, hey, do you have the emotional space to deal with me right now? Mm-hmm. I give them the option because if I just call them and dump on them and then if they, you know, in my mind, reject me in any way, mm. that makes my trauma worse. Right, absolutely. So I always make sure I ask, do you have the emotional space for me? Because if they don't, I'm going to call somebody else. Mm-hmm. But I rely a lot on my friends and just to get it out of my head. I, Even if you have to write it down, I, I'm big on getting everything, those ruminating thoughts out of my head and down on paper or talking to somebody about it and making those connections of why I feel the way I feel. Where does that come from? What happened to me? And then again, taking back my power realizing that I don't live there anymore. And so a lot of the self-soothing comes from self-realization. But if I don't get it out of my head and write it down or get it out of my head and talk about it, it just builds into something so big. So do you journal daily when you're not feeling well or if you're not feeling like, you know, mentally not feeling strong? I do. And I do video diaries, video journaling, so I can go back and reflect on what I was feeling and how it made me feel. And also I see my body language. Now, do you like, do you talk to yourself like you're, uh, you're a patient at that time? I mean, in your head, are you talking to Stephanie, the hurt person? As a doctor, do you do do that kind of role play to yourself? There, sometimes I do. And I, you know, it's so funny that you said that because I'll call one of my therapist friends because I have, you acquire lots of friends that are therapists as well. And I'll call them and they'll ask me the same questions that I'm asking myself, but just hearing them ask it to me, I'm like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. But in my mind, I've already been asking Mm -hmm. myself that and I'm already trying to work through it. But for me, it's more about just knowing that. I am going to be okay. I can put myself in safe situations. I'm not unsafe, but even when my body feels unsafe, I have to trick my brain and, or not trick it, but remind it. It's not in that position anymore. It's not in that place anymore. And you know, when you're talking about dealing with the trauma from grief, you know, I recently lost my dad and that grief cycle is, it is a complete cycle. And so some days I'll wake up and I accept it. And then some days I'll be sitting here 
at the show, mm-hmm. the live show, <laughs> yeah. when we were watching a show here on the ship, they played one song and oh my gosh, I just lost it. And I'm sitting there with some, some new friends that I just met bawling. She went and got me some tissue, but that was my trigger. And that part was also healing for me. Yeah, It for was sure. very healing because I got to feel those emotions. I wasn't embarrassed by it because I didn't care. It's mm-hmm. my emotions. Mm-hmm. But before I did care and I would have been embarrassed and I would have been ashamed because I felt emotion. Mm. Giving yourself permission to actually feel emotion is is powerful. Now, when I lost my mom that many years ago, and it's still fresh in my mind, uh, Dave and I didn't have sex for three or four months just because my head wasn't there, yeah. my heart wasn't there. And I, I was I was like a, a punching bag. Yeah. I just, I, whatever I knew that I had to be there for her and whatever she threw at me, I just took it. Yeah. yeah. And as much as I appreciated everything at the time, I didn't because yeah. I just didn't even recognize what he was doing for me. But it, I'm sure there's lots of people out there who are going through this kind of thing. And lucky enough to have someone like David listen and yes. be there for me and just support whatever. What happens if you don't have a close partner that you can deal with these issues? That's a great one. Um, <laughs> well, hello, pot. I'm the kettle. Um, <laughs> That's when I feel like for me, just speaking for what my personal thing is, I rely again on really strong women in my life, really strong. And if you're a man, really strong men, but people who aren't going to take me out and get me drunk, people who aren't going to take me out to party, people who actually care about my well-being. So many times when we're growing up and we go through some sort of trauma, you know, what do our friends do? Let's go get drunk. Right. Well, that's 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 more harm than it is mm-hmm. good. We mm-hmm. have to learn to take care of ourselves and our friends. We put that responsibility sometimes on them mm-hmm. to make sure that I'm not being self-destructive. Yeah. And I have, to, I had to do that a lot was, you know, am I being self-destructive? And I had to ask them, am I, is this making me self-destructive? Mm-hmm. And I asked myself that, am I doing this? So for example, if I wanted to, you know, I very open about my struggle with alcohol, if I wanted to drink, so am I drinking to avoid or am I drinking to relax? Mm-hmm. For me, it's okay to drink to relax, but if I'm drinking to avoid an emotion, then I'm abusing it. Mm-hmm. So being open and honest with myself and asking those questions, but also not trying to go around the topic and be like, well, you know, I mean, I could be drinking to avoid, but you know, I really need to relax. And that's not easy being honest with yourself that's not easy to be honest with others around you because we want to hide from that mm-hmm. we, but if if you're not all you're going to do is just downward spiral now do you feel there's people in this lifestyle who are oh, close yes. to you that could help you in any way and and in general i think lifestyle people would i'm not going to say put their life on their line but certainly would help a common friend i I hate to be say it like this, but I've had more help from my lifestyle friends than I have my vanilla friends. Mm-hmm. I can call, even when the sprinkler blew up, I called a lifestyle friend and he was like, dropped everything and went. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, I got a, a cute text afterwards. It's going to cost <laughs> me a blowjob. But, um, but it was one of those things where I know I can call them and they will drop anything. And that's a family we create. And there's so many people that said, oh, lifestyle is all about sex. It's really not. It's about the connections we make. The community. The community. And I know I can call on them. And the same when I was going through my breakup and when I was you know, my dad died you know I was still trying to run two businesses I was still trying to keep a kid alive you know my dogs and everything else but I had to ask for help and not be ashamed or afraid to ask for help and it was the lifestyle friends and family that came through for me Mm -hmm. now what if you have some type of trauma that is either too hard to bring up again or you're just too ashamed for example to tell anybody about it the best thing to do is to write it out I love this is a great activity write it out get it all out of your head and then burn that paper and if you have to rewrite it again a thousand times just keep burning it every time you write it it's going to less it's going to hurt a lot less and you may not want to share it with people but eventually you will because it's just it just becomes part of your story and you start removing that shame and stigma Mm. it's all about removing the shame and stigma so making that giant monster smaller every day and smaller how do you eat an elephant you can handle it one bite at a time oh boy yeah wow Wow, that's very cool. So if you did have a breakup, and that's hugely traumatic, and then David mentioned when my husband left me at the time, of course, for his ex-wife, <laughs> at that time, it was it not was to, Not very, to talk about trauma, <laughs> trauma on trauma. It was very traumatic for me as well. And I remember trying to explain that to one of my girlfriends, and she just didn't get it. Like, Mm-mm. she just didn't understand that she's in a long-term relationship, and they're still married even today, let's but just, just didn't get one, it. Let's stop for one second. That happened before we got into lifestyle, yeah. so it wasn't the lifestyle. Sure. Oh, okay, okay, yes, up. okay, that's, that's a good thing to point out. But she still doesn't understand even how that happened. But uh, what happens if your best friend can't even help you with that? And it's so simple. A breakup is a common occurrence, and you still don't have anybody to help you with it. 
it's I love how you said what happens if your best friend can't your best friend so your friend is ignorant not and I'm not saying they're stupid ignorance is the unknowing the un, the inex, the unexper, inexperience there we mm-hmm. go and so they're ignorant to how all of that works they've probably not felt it the best thing to do if you're if you're a friend in that situation and you don't know how to help if you are having someone talk to you is, is be honest I have never experienced that and I don't I can't imagine how that would feel for you mm. don't ever say I know how that feels mm-hmm. even if you've never experienced mm-hmm. it because they don't and then that mm-hmm. shut down but you don't know how I feel you ain't ever been through this but if someone were to say you know I don't know how you feel but I can I just sit with you can I just now, sit with you? Now, after losing a partner, like even a long-term uh, husband like I had, h- how do you regain the confidence after someone's left you like that, like out in the lurch and not expected, totally blindsided? How do you get back into that? And, and is there a time frame where you should be on your own? No, the grief, it, there is no time frame for grief. And it can, grief, you have to go through it on your own. You have to finally get to the acceptance stage. And then one day you wake up and damn it, you're back in the depression stage, right? So the best thing to do... <laughs> is to put yourself out there. And I'm not saying go out on dates and start fucking everybody, but put yourself out there. Realize your worth. Let people show you what you're worth. Have other people, you know, go on some dates and have them, the men tell you, or you don't have to have them, but the men are going to tell you you're beautiful or you're handsome for a man. That's going to start building up your self-confidence. If you stay stuck in a room and you stay stuck in your little enclosure bubble of self-pity and grief, all you're doing is filling that bubble with more negative energy. Mm-hmm. But once we get out, people are going to start filling your pro- your cup back up with all of these compliments and you start seeing yourself the way they see you. Mm-hmm. And is it okay for a guy or a girl who are going through this breakup and aren't ready for an emotional relationship to go out there and just tell the person that they're going out on this date with I just want sex absolutely right the thing I I love about dating is it's just that it's a date we're not necessarily trying to find lifetime long-term partners we're just trying to find someone to go out with in that moment and have a good time with need a need meet a need and it's okay to if as long as you're open and honest about it hey this is the need I need met Now, now it's when we don't and we're not open and honest and we start using people to meet our needs without their consent, that's when it's dangerous. But that's abusive, like you were yes, talking about the alcohol. Yes. There's limits. There's right? limits. So if you go out there and you say, you know what, this is this is what I this is all all cards on the table. This is what I want from you. Can you provide that? And then you give them the opportunity to say yes or no. And if they say no, that's okay too. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not for them, but there's somebody mm-hmm. else it will be for. But the honesty is there and you're just you're not you're not trying to tease them or uh, pretend it's all or, about transparency yeah. Yeah. and I guess don't use the date to dump on the person about everything that's going wrong in your life find something happy to talk about and you know don't spend three hours talking you meet the person they look okay they're okay to have sex let's just say let's go get naked and fuck yeah right but if, if, if that's the ultimate if purpose, that's the ultimate purpose yes but society tells us we can't do that because mm. you know we're wrong fuck what society says if that's what you need do it now what about escapism what about like going on a vacation just forgetting about all your woes leaving them behind and coming to on a bliss cruise like this for example and just forgetting everything is that healthy I I say no and the okay. reason why is because as soon as you get off the ship it's right back right and so you can escape it for the moment which could be healthy it could be a lot of fun but are you really learning how to deal with the problems? Mm-hmm. Are you taking the time to process what really happened? Or are you just sweeping it under the rug and saying, fuck it, I'm going to go, I'm going to go fuck it out. You know, yeah, we were at Hito last year or the year before, and this absolutely gorgeous woman comes in. She's single. Of course, I'm going up to her to talk to her. And I found out that she had just found out that her husband of 25 years had been cheating on her for 10 years. Wow. And... She just had to get up and go. She came to Hito and just fucked everything, everyone <laughs> under the sun for seven days and went back home to her husband yeah. and said, we're even. That, But that, okay, they stayed I, together. I, don't, I yeah. don't know what happened when they got home. And but that was the goal. Oh, that was the goal. I mean, I get that. And that was that was the need that she, that was a, a need she needed to be met. Right. <laughs> Lots of needs there. Yeah, yeah. But she needed that. And so she, she knew what she wanted. She went and got it. That's different. If you go and you're not trying, you don't know what you need and you're just coming out here to say, oh, just take my mind off of things. That's when it can get dangerous. Unfortunately, she ended up having some drunk sex at two in the morning with the wrong type of people. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. You make a lot of bad decisions bad when decisions. you're drunk. Alcohol-induced decisions, right? Yes. Most of my bad decisions are about food. But anyway, <laughs> I was eating the wrong food when I'm drunk. <laughs> 
Anyways, but you know, um, it's so important, like you're saying, Steph, um, to have someone around you, not necessarily to give you advice, but to listen. Just to listen and just to be in your space. I mean, you may just sit there. Uh, one of my best friends came to my house. We ordered pizza and we watched Shit's Creek for hours. Never said a word to each there other. The second best show on TV. Oh, I next love to it. Ted Lasso. I love it. I love it. I love it. But we sat there for hours and never said a word to each other. Ate pizza and ice cream, and that was healing for me. But even even in a relationship, I am our good friend Dr. Nancy Sutton Pierce. We did a workshop with her at Nadia New Orleans once, and she taught everybody how to be a good listener. And you know. When your partner is talking to you or your friend is talking to you, mm -hmm. sometimes all you need to say is thank you for sharing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And not offer your opinion or, oh, I know how it feels. Just thank you for sharing. Another example or another tidbit pro tip is ask them, do you want me to just listen or do you want advice? Oh, there you go. That's so great. If they say, you know what, I, I want some advice. Great. Then you know you're listening to give advice. Mm -hmm. But if they just need to get it off their chest... Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes mm -hmm. as a person speaks, they hear what they're saying and they come up with their own yes, resolution. Yes, self-realization, right? self, uh, mm -hmm. self yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of times when, it, let's just say, it's your partner who's going through the hard time, you feel helpless because you, you can't do anything to help them. Um, but you know you kind of have to stay close to them because that's what your job is in life and make sure your partner is happy and safe. But if they don't want intimacy or they don't really want you there, what guidance do you give the partner and how to, you know, how to deal with their partner who's hurting? Make sure that your partner is taking care of basic self-care needs. Are they showering? Are they getting out of the bed? Are they eating properly? Are they hydrating? Self basic self-care. Make sure that they are taking care of themselves in a way that they probably don't think that they need to or they just want to sit away and hide. It's going to take, unfortunately, as long as it's going to take. You can't rush the healing process, but you have to be constant. You have to be present, and you just have to let them know. Asking the question, do you need me to listen? Do you need me to vent, or right. do you need me to give advice? advice? And just being able to sit there with them as long as they need. And unfortunately, it sucks. You know, and your sex life hurts, but you're in this relationship for the good and the bad. Mm -hmm. This is a commitment. This is an intentional relationship. And if you're not being intentional and staying where you need to stay and being with your partner when you need to be by them, are you really in this for the right reasons? Mm -hmm. Now, when you've gone through a lot of grieving, let's just say you are getting through the cycle and you know that, you know, you're not crying every day anymore and you know you got to get back out there and you got to live your life, mm -hmm. but you're really not quite feeling yourself yet. What kind of advice do you have to help somebody to... I don't know, reconnect with their own bodies. They haven't had sex for, let's say, four or five months with their partners, oh. but and they don't want to, but they have to reconnect Masturbate. again. Oh. Masturbate and rediscover your body. Use, buy new toys that you think, that you try different lubes. But if you're not pleasuring yourself, and whatever your self-pleasure looks like, it, it can be a myriad of things. It doesn't have to be penetrative sex. It might just be the rose. It might be nipple clamps. It might a be shower head. a shower, shower <laughs> head. Yes. It can be anything that brings you self-pleasure. But knowing your body again, because you've changed. Grief, trauma, it changes you. And whether you know it or not, your body's going to react to whatever that is. But if you discover what feels good again, you start finding out new things about yourself. Now, also, I've heard that a hug can release all sorts of endorphins. Yes. Just a loving hug from a friend or family member. Is that true? Absolutely. And I'm so glad that you said that because we have a friend on the ship, uh, Vulcan, I think a common friend of ours. And he walked up at the hotel like as I, as everything was getting resolved and my stomach and my knot was st starting to undo. And he just gave me the best hug for like two minutes. And he just, and he didn't even know anything. He just whispered in my ear, just breathe, just Aww. breathe. And that just healed, almost it healed everything. But that hug and that exchange of just the energy, the knowing that I'm safe and that no matter what, in that minute, I'm exchanging this, this moment and spending time with them. And I've heard it's like calming. It's the very calming. It calms the nervous system. Yeah. It helps with your um, central nervous system kind of relax. And, you know, just going back to the previous question, um, you know, being there for your partner and them slowly transitioning into, you know, back to a sex, back to back to a normal sex life. You know, it could just start with a massage mm -hmm. with no sexual intention, mm -hmm. and then it could just be a pussy massage with 
we, I don't need penetration. I just want to make you feel good. And not asking them to either suck your cock or, or, or yes. play with their pussy. Sensate focus is huge. You know, mm. just, just do simple things like that. Or a romantic dancing, like you were just talking about, hugging or caressing, listening to the person breathing, um, snuggle up in bed. There's so many cool things to do. Skin to skin contact. On that journey back to having good sex. And... Um, you know, it's not all about putting a cock in a pussy. No, not at all. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I keep talking about just, you know, accept it, accept it. But there are, you know, get, there are things and that's the sensate focus and working back up to it. If you just, you know, say, hey, let's just go fuck it out. Okay, that, that works for some people. And if that works for you, wonderful. But some people it doesn't. Right. And you have to start small. Mm-hmm. So really, when if you want to get your sexy back and you've gone through all this, what David suggested, slow mm-hmm. getting there. And now you're in the lifestyle and now maybe you want to expand to share with your friends who you know are supportive. So you've gone now through the whole reestablishing your connection with your partner and you want to get out there. Where can we start with our friends and our swinger friends and you want to get back into that swinging lifestyle and get your mojo and your real sexy back? Start with those that you know accept you no matter what, that you feel accepted no matter what, and start small. Start at a house party. Don't try to go out and jump on the Bliss Cruise and you know throw yourself out there with thousands of swingers all at once. You have to start slow and easy and build yourself back up because what happens is, is we lose our confidence. And all of this time we've lost our confidence. Maybe we've gained a few pounds because we've been eating too much. Maybe we've lost too much weight. Something has happened. We've changed mentally. We've changed physically. What if they don't like me anymore because I may start crying? All mm. of this negative stuff mm. in our brain. So start with the ones that you mean the most to you who have been supporting play and then start expanding past, you know, that group. Maybe go to an orgy. Maybe almost feel like a newbie because you just maybe just have sex with your partner in front of other people. Start with that, perhaps. Start slow. You don't have to jump back into it. And people who are your friends and I mean... People in the lifestyle understand that. And what's so healing is we all are trying to help each other heal. Mm-hmm. We, if you come to me and say, hey, this is what I need right now, great, let's do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you could also just go to a swingers club and just have sex with your partner sure. there. And just watch right, the sure. fun. Just be like a newbie where you're not playing with other people, but you're either exhibitioning or exhibiting <laughs> or, or being a voyeur. And you're just in the environment. I mean, there's no race here. Mm-hmm. There's there's no finish mm-hmm. line. Mm-hmm. It's where you're going to get to wherever you're going to get. And um, as you your relationship and your couples change, the way you have sex or the way you swing is going to change as well. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, we did a show with um, a couple of our friends who for have been in the lifestyle 20 years, full swap swingers. And just recently they decided, you know what? We want to go back to soft. Yeah. We're having too many issues with older guys and not being able to get it up. And um, it's, it's just being hard for us to have four people meet each other and, and be compatible with each other. And soft is so much easier. The lifestyle is, is on a spectrum. Right. And you can sw- it's a pendulum. You can swing back and forth. A swing. <laughs> <laughs> but As def- we entertain yeah, ourselves. <laughs> I know. But it's definitely, you know, one day you may be on the Bliss Cruise having sex with thousands, not thousands, or I mean, if you want to, that's you too, but hundreds of people. And then the next day you may be soft swap and that's yeah. okay. But yeah. accept where you're at and share, be transparent with everybody. And it's like, it's like sex in general. It's It should be fluid. It it's is. It's how you feel today, how you, it's going to be good for you or good for you and your partner, you and your relationship. And don't put labels on it. Just do what's right. And understanding that grief and trauma definitely will affect your sex life. Mm -hmm. And know that eventually it will come back to some sort of normalcy. Uh, Like I had a doctor once and he said, don't forget to take your vitamin P. And I go, vitamin P? What's that? Patience. Oh, that's good. (laughs) And so I said, okay, yes, you have to just keep the patience and and keep at it and keep trying until you feel better. Because nobody wants to feel like crap. And you're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days. And if you have a bad day, it's okay too. Yeah. So we are getting to the end of our show. We like to leave our audience with a little bit of final advice. What would you say would be the top two things that people can do to help themselves feel better and get back in the sack, but on their own? Again, self-pleasure. There are guided masturbation is so maybe you record yourself saying, you know, a sexy scene and then you do it to yourself so guiding yourself through a masturbation is is, is fun it's different and it kind of gets you feeling and relearning your body also 
putting yourself in situations where you feel comfortable and you're getting those that positive feedback. So you're not filling your head with the, or your self-doubt's not continuing to spiral, but you're filling your head with really good positivity. So put yourself around friends who are going to tell you how beautiful you are, how handsome you are and and getting out in that environment before you go throw yourself out into bigger bigger fish, I guess, bigger environments. And, and I, I'm going to add something. Sure. <clears throat> when you wake up in the morning, make a conscious choice to be happy. Yes. Yeah. That, that's, you know, you're talking about everything is within your control yeah. and you can decide to be happy. And everybody has a different def- different definition of happy, but, you know, try and stay away from the negative. Try and stay away from people who bring you down because they're always talking about negative. We were talking about that earlier, but try and stay in that positive, happy world. Yeah. And it's not that hard to do, actually. It's not. You just have to decide that that's what you want. So before you put your feet on the ground, or right when you put your feet on the ground, you have to say to yourself, today I decide that I'm going to be happy. Mm-hmm. And, and then you stand up. You stand, say it out loud, and then you stand up. Because it is a conscious decision. Now, there's some shit that's going to happen, and that's okay. And if you weren't happy the full day, hey, you're probably happy most of it. But if it's your goal when you start, it's a good goal to have. Yeah, absolutely, that's for sure. yeah. And you can even say, hey, I'm going to have sex today. Yeah. <laughs> because you've been having, you've been struggling with it for a long time. But it's a good goal and it might not happen. But that was your goal to start the That's day. That's windows of opportunity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dr. Stephanie Sigler, we're out of time. Thank you so much for being here today and sharing all that great information. Take a minute and tell everyone how they can find you and reach out to you. You can find me on EvolveYourIntimacy.com. All of the social media links are there. Anything, free resources, all of that fun stuff is on that website. Cool. And, and once a month, you can always hear Dr. Stephanie on our podcast because she guest hosts for us the Evolve Your Intimacy show once a month. And of course, if you missed any of that information, you just have to go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com, where all of our guests have their own guest page, and you will find Dr. Stephanie right there, front and center. All righty. The end of another great show with an amazing guest, Dr. Stephanie Sigler. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, guys. I'm going to go run and teach some classes on BDSM. Beautiful. And we do it like we do every week. We want to thank all the listeners for being there week in and week out. Join us again next time for another hour of The Sexy Lifestyle, talking about sex, sexuality, sexual health and pleasure, and all the fun ways to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny. Well, that's it for our show today. Carol and I, Dr. Stephanie, send you lots of love and great sex. Please stay safe. And of course, stay sexy, everyone. Until next time. Thanks for joining us for this week's edition of the Topless Travel Show. We sure hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. We've got another episode of the Sexy Lifestyle Podcast lined up for you for next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Network. The weekend is just around the corner, so try something new. Spice it up, but you just might have the best sex ever. 